Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Galen here on the line. Galen, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Michael? I am awesome. Really looking forward to this conversation, especially because it's important work that you do, um, not only with your podcast that you mentioned, but also uh, the insurance space you do. So why don't you share a little bit about you and your company, and we'll dive into the conversation. Absolutely. So I am a first, what we call a first-party property casualty attorney. Um that's a lot to swallow. And basically all that means is I represent people that have insurance policies, policyholders, when something happens to their building. So I'm not an ambulance chaser. I don't help people that got in a car accident. I don't help people that got physically hurt. I help buildings that got hurt. So whether that's a home, an office building, um, and whether it's a fire or a tornado or an earthquake, um, that's what we do. We basically go in, figure out what you're owed and go to the insurance company because we find most of the time, like 90% plus of the time, they will not pay you fairly right away. So we help you kind of get paid fairly. And in some states, we actually can utilize that state's laws to even make sure that you're made completely whole. So attorney fees are paid for and everything. That's critical and very important work because when something is disruptive like that with property damage, uh, doesn't matter if you're a business or you know it's a home type of situation, you are definitely uprooted. And even a personal story, the condo building that I live in, uh, there was a fire, small fire uh, a few weeks ago, a, a couple floors up. Now, thankfully, the sprinkler system in the building worked really well and extinguished the fire. But the problem was the, you know, the, the fire extinguishers didn't really want to turn off right away. So we had some major league flooding, uh, even where water was flowing through our elevators, which elevators apparently are not designed to take on water. So it's been a bit, it's been, a, it, it's yeah, a bit disruptive, uh, to say the least. And uh, the condo board is working with the insurance company and the, the engineers to get approval for one of the elevators to uh, get repaired because I think that was closest to where most of the water was flowing through. And my hunch is that elevator is toast. So it's been going on for a little bit. Thankfully we got other elevators, so it's not too cumbersome, but, you know, and thankfully no one was hurt, you know, and and Mm -hmm. it could have been a whole lot worse with, with fires and whatnot, but you know, as you know, a business owner, it's like, okay, we, we want to get this addressed. And um, I, I know that sometimes, maybe 99.999% of the time, um, the insurance companies aren't the quickest when it comes to dealing with it. And like you said, you know, with the stats that you provided, you know, they're going to say, yeah, well, you know, I'm being tongue in cheek here. Yeah, we'll give you $5 for it. You know, and it's like, no, it's, you know, we got $50,000 or $100,000 of damage here. Um, you know, we're going to have to up that up. So what got you interested? in this line of work? Yeah. So a couple of things. So I came to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, (sighs) kind of hard to be in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina and not be interested in why insurance companies don't really pay. That kind of caused me to go down this rabbit hole. So I ended up helping out, doing a lot of volunteer work, doing, started a nonprofit that kind of helped with post-hurricane relief. And then once I became a lawyer, I was still so interested. Like why don't 
insurance companies pay? Like, obviously there's an economic reason, but what's really going on? I found this book. It like completely changed my life. It was called From Good Hands to Boxing Gloves. And it kind of talked about the history and development of insurance in the United States and like how, because, you know, I remember growing up just anecdotally hearing adults when I was a kid say that their insurance company paid them. Oh, I had a fire. My insurance company fixed my house, whatever. And I wasn't seeing that anymore. So I wanted to see what kind of changed. And that really, once I kind of learned what had changed about insurance and the way that they pay in the United States, I was all in. This is all I wanted to do. Yeah, it's, I remember those stories too. My uncle um, had a fire in his house and it took time uh, to get it repaired. Um, I think it was more just on, he was picky with the contractors and things like that, but you know, they covered it and you know, there was no, no real issue with that. But you know, the, I, that book obviously, you know, it symbolizes what actually it is. It's like, you know, from, from good hands. And we, we, most of us, you know, remember that slogan, uh, and you know, to the boxing gloves, it's like, yeah, we're we're not prepared. We, we've just had a huge loss. We don't want to put on boxing gloves to fight for this, and it's unfortunate that that's what it's turned out to be. So, thankfully, there's individuals and organizations like yours out there to fight. And going back to what you said about New Orleans and Katrina, yeah, the the stories that came from that. You know that you know did filter through in into the mainstream media were just you know catastrophic. You know, obviously the damage itself was horrible, but you know the the fact that you know people that had insurance, you know, were were getting turned down and had, running into all kinds of different challenges. It's like, no, it shouldn't be this way. It should be, let's get these people whole back to where they were as soon as we can. Uh, and that unfortunately isn't the the mission of, of many anymore. No, it's not. And, you know, I get it. It's economic. They have shareholders, even the ones that don't obviously still have owners. Um, so it's not that I begrudge anyone making a profit. I'm not some crazy conspiracy theorist. I want everyone to make money, be happy. But the reality is my job should not exist, but it does anyway. Um, and, you know, so I don't think that I'm ever going to fix the insurance industry and they're suddenly going to pay to put me out of business. I think they regularly try other ways to put us out of business, but I don't think they're going to try to put us out of business by paying fairly the first time. Um, but, you know, it, it was, it's a fun job to have because when you know that your entire company only exists to write like this wrong that shouldn't be happening anyway, you get to go to bed with like a certain level of satisfaction at night. Like we're not the reason your insurance rates are going up. We're not the reason that all these new rules and regulations are getting passed. Right. So a lot of lawyers get pinned with that and they get kind of, and, and we're not in that area of law. We're not doing the personal injury. We're not being accused of, you know, padding people's treatment records and things like that. So it's a great job to have. Yeah. It's, it's a way of giving back in a way. It's like, okay, you know, because all of us have had successes and, and challenges in life, but when we are successful, you know, like you said a little while ago, you know, you're not hammering on insurance companies wanting to make a profit. No, I, I want everybody to be prosperous. I want everybody to do well because that allows them to do the things in life that they want to do, create opportunities, jobs, make humanity better. If everyone is benefiting from that, it's well, but it's a case of you don't want to do it to the detriment of somebody. And unfortunately, that's what we see 
you know, not just in insurance, but we see, you know, and we've heard stories in the past about organization cutting corners and trying to save something here or there, and all of a sudden the quality of something starts to falter, or you know, potentially there's uh, an ingredient in something that turns out to be harmful to people's health, and then you start seeing you know lawsuits and and whatnot and and, and all of that. So uh, one question, because you you cover a bunch of different states. I know this, 50 states, 50 versions of law. Uh, and sometimes I joke there's probably 300 versions of law, depending on what state you're in. But you know, how is that to navigate? I mean, obviously, you're well aware of each state's nuances and whatnot. But you know, how is that to navigate? And do you see any potential of any type of governmental intervention or some additional guidelines on this to protect the insured in, in making sure that you know their insurance actually is going to cover um, the things that need to be covered. Yeah. So those are both fascinating questions. So as far as navigating the state's laws, that actually is pretty easy. There are a lot of different sets of laws, a lot of different statutes that apply. It varies state to state other than flood insurance, which is when the water comes up from the ground, not talking about your sprinkler system. Um, other than flood, flood insurance is federal, but everything else is governed by state law. But we hire lawyers in those states who have passed the bar there, who usually have been already working in insurance claims there. So they already know those statutes. They already know those laws. You would not want to hire me personally. You would want to hire our firm, but you wouldn't want to hire me personally for a loss in Illinois. I might help one of our Illinois lawyers, but even when I do that, like, I'm licensed in New York, but I don't regularly practice in New York. We're doing this huge condo building there with fire sprinklers. That's the claim. Um, we had a great result, got them an eight figure check to pay for everything. Um, but, you know, we had a lawyer that regularly practices in New York that works for us. He's in house. And even when I was making decisions, I'm like calling him being like, Hey, this is right. Right. Like, you know what, tell me what I need to do next. So we make sure that our lawyers are experts in their state's law. So it's pretty easy to navigate. You would never, I hate, I hate, hate, hate in my industry. There are so many law firms that have like three lawyers and one office and they're like, I'll take things everywhere. Um, and they just mess it up. I mean, you know, the, the example I use is like, you don't go to a dentist for your neurosurgery, like ever, ever, you know? So same thing. You want to make sure that, that the, the same thing works state to state. If you've got a home in Texas, a big, beautiful home that's damaged by a fire, you want to make sure the firm you're going to has a Texas licensed lawyer that handles cases in Texas. You do not want to go hire a law firm that just has like a lawyer that works in New York and a lawyer that works in Florida. It's not going to make sense. So that's easy. But um, the statutes are kind of a different thing as, in terms of consumer protection. There are many states that have what we call bad faith statutes. Louisiana currently is one of the best in the country. Um, they're fantastic, the states that have those. Because what they do is they provide timelines and rules for the insurance company to follow. And then they provide consequences if they don't, usually in some form of money. So for instance, in Louisiana, insurance companies have 30 days to pay after they get something called a proof of loss. So like we send them an estimate saying, hey, here's how much it's going to cost. Here's what it is. If they don't pay that in 30 days and later it's found that they were unreasonable and not doing that. Like if we have a legitimate dispute, 
I think that door is going to cost $100 and they think it should cost $50, that's fine. But if they just don't pay for the door and they don't have a reason for it, then they're going to have to pay a penalty plus the attorney fees. That creates an incentive for the insurance company to pay earlier. And if they don't follow that incentive, the consumer is in this amazing position where they don't have to pay out of pocket for attorney fees because that statute allows the attorney fees to be collected from the carrier. Those states are the best states for consumers. However, I do not anticipate that being the case for long. Um, In Florida, they just did a huge legislative rollout. It used to be the best state in the union for insurance claims. You had a lot of protection if you owned a house in Florida. Um, You could get your attorney fees paid. You could get penalties if things happened. And that in Florida, it created this really cool environment where attorneys were working on like double wide claims and things like that. You know, little old ladies living in a trailer with 20,000 in damage, the carriers traditionally just wouldn't pay them, right? I mean, why bother? No attorney is going to take a $20,000 case on contingency. They'll get what? $6,000 for five years of work. They're not going to do it. Um, But in Florida, because you could get your actual attorney fees, you could work that case, keep your time. And if the carrier was found to not have paid fairly, you could then submit your time and the carrier would pay you. So the insurance companies didn't like that. Right after Hurricane Ian, they got all the attorney fees canceled in Florida. You no longer can get your attorney fees paid for any new losses. And they got rid of bad faith. So Florida is now a terrible place to own a home because the carriers have been very clear about the fact that they are not going to pay. All right. Um, Louisiana, I expect to follow suit in a few months, as well as other states. I think we're going to hit about a 10-year period where people are going to get pretty screwed over by their carriers and they're going to have to pay attorneys out of pocket. But the good news is all of this cycles. So after a few years of people getting upset enough, frankly, they're going to push their legislators to put bad faith back in and then we'll have another 10-year period. It's about every decade. Yeah, that's typically how it goes. And I always tell people, and it's like, you know, talk with your your elected officials on issues and remind them, you know, that, you know, we vote them in. And on initiatives like this, yeah, I, I anticipate that there will be, especially if there's a big enough storm and it gets enough coverage, um, especially in the media, because the media doesn't matter what flavor you, you watch, you know, you know, the conservative or liberal or somewhere in between often both sides will will highlight you know the 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 victim consumer is getting screwed over by a company and that's when everybody you know gets completely in an uproar and they just you know advocate for it and you know they they pass legislation to protect and you know i've seen you know in similar instances too where a state will swing one way or the other and you know we've you know obviously not to get political or anything like this but we we've seen some polarizing states uh that are doing some things either doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on politically you know one swing or the other on some things and you know i'm one that tends to be can we find a middle ground where everybody at least is comfortable you know and and it's you know and again the pendulum just keeps swinging left and right and all of that so i was going to ask and you already stole the question where do you see things going in the next few years so uh but i'll ask you that anyway where do you see things going in the next few years Yeah. So right now there's kind of this national narrative that insurance companies are having trouble keeping up financially. So they're going under and that's kind of leading to this rollback of legislation. I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see that for the next year. And then you'll start to see carriers no longer going under. 
um, they're not going under because of that. They're going under because they weren't required to purchase enough insurance of their own. And frankly, the weather's been bananas for the last several years, right? Like uh, that's not a political issue. The weather sucks. You can argue about why it sucks, but it sucks. Uh, her, like what? Um, earthquake just the other day, yesterday in Turkey, right? But I mean, we've had mo- more earthquakes than we've had in the United States this year already. That's insane. Uh, more hurricanes, right? So the weather sucks. The carriers weren't ready. The other thing that you're going to see over the next couple of years is there's a lot of investigations open, law enforcement and just civil lawsuits, where we're discovering some of these carriers that went under were siphoning money off to subsidiaries that they own first to kind of create that insolvency so they could kind of avoid paying the taxpayer. Like the taxpayers pick up the insurance claims. So you don't realize that everyone's like, oh, man, my insurance company is going to go under and I'm not going to get paid. You are going to get paid but all of the taxpayers are going to pay your bill for you. So it kind of sucks for everyone. Um, so I think you're going to see that. And then, as I said, as you get towards the end of a decade, you're going to see people get pretty sick of it. And the bad faith statutes are going to come back and they're going to come back, you know, with somewhat of a vengeance, but there are some States that will always stay the same, like New York, right? This is not just a conservative or Democrat issue at all. New York is typically associated very, very Democrat, right? They have no bad faith at all because they want to attract the business from Lloyd's of London. So Lloyd's of London inserts mandatory arbitration provisions in New York City under New York law for all of their commercial policies that they can get away with. Um, So it doesn't matter whether you're a red state or a blue state, the trend right now is going to be to get rid of bad faith. And then I think, again, once some of the unfortunate facts come out, I think the trend will be to put it back. Be definitely some interesting times indeed. So again, love the conversation. Where can people find out more about you and the awesome work your firm does? Yeah, sure thing. So we have a website, insuranceclaimhq.com. And then we're on all the different social medias under insurance claim HQ. And you can hit me up personally on social media as well. Awesome. I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So thank you for doing the work that you do. Uh, it's really, really critical for uh, people like you to be out there to to help consumers and because, you know, they quite frankly, uh, can't go up against some of these big companies on their own. So having representation is, is critically important. So thank you again for being on the show and for everything you're doing. I appreciate you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.